We've said it before on the podcast. America grows more and more diverse every year, and there's U.S. Census Bureau data to support that. The Diversity Index measures the probability that two randomly chosen people come from different racial or ethnic groups. Between 2010 and 2020, the United States as a whole went from a 54.9% chance to 61.1%. Particularly in major urban areas, the likelihood of your coming into contact with someone from another cultural or ethnic background is higher today than it was even 10 years ago. But the growth in diversity isn't always accompanied by a corresponding growth in how to engage in intercultural and interethnic relationships well. Even if people are from the U.S., as opposed to having migrated from another country, the gaps between cultures and ethnicities can be wide. Family cohesion is more ingrained in some cultures than others that value independence. Honesty, even brutal honesty, is expected in some cultures, while politeness, sometimes to a fault, is assumed in others. All of these are gaps, and often these gaps are unseen or unacknowledged, causing difficulties in these kinds of relationships and those connected to them. In this episode, we're joined by Ruth Nathaniel, and we ask, are there blind spots when we engage in a deep relationship with someone from another cultural or ethnic background? What are the beauties of being in intercultural or interethnic relationships? All that and more on this edition of the podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameda. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. going to say another season another episode <laughs> yeah jumping the gun we're back questions we are from back the and we have uh our favorite clinical mental health therapist with us here ruth nathaniel <laughs> welcome friend thank you thank you for thanks having for coming me. on honestly yeah she's been uh, you've been on what two at least two other episodes i think so this is yeah, at least one the third or two. episode yeah. Great. Well, we're, we're happy glad to have you. <laughs> yeah. Sick. All right. Well, All right. shall we just, uh, I guess we're just talking about, you know, multicultural relationships. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything you want to say before we get started? Yeah. Um. I mean, we, we say it often on the podcast but i think it's a pretty important discussion to have um especially like we said in the intro um, especially as we consider that america is becoming more and more more and more diverse um uh, every year um it's an important conversation to have if we want to move beyond like surface level interactions or relationships totally um, i think i think the context of our conversation today is like the context of deep meaningful you know, long-lasting relationships, not just acquaintances and, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it's like where the kind of collective communal 
I put those two words together, collective and communal, like aspect of society meets or like culture meets like individual, you know, mm. preference and, you know, navigating the world. So yeah, it should be great. I say we just jump in. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Question one, are there blind spots or things we don't think about or consider before entering into a deep relationship with someone from another culture or ethnic background? It's mm. a great question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess we do we, say so ourselves. Yeah. Do you want to start, Ruth? Yeah, I guess I might add like a clarifying um, point about multiculturalism or biculturalism because I think um, this conversation is obviously about multiculturalism and, um, you know, diversity and ethnicity and how relationships um, in in those contexts can operate. But I think um, sometimes we forget that multiculturalism can also occur um, in ways that we don't always think about, like, you know, urban versus rural relationships. Or maybe I'll rephrase that. People who are from urban contexts, interacting with people from rural contexts and how relationships can look in that context um, sure. as they bring their own shared experience and multiculturalism that way, even if they look quite similar to each other. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm honestly just saying that just so I know where we're at. <laughs> no, no totally. that's a fair point to, to, to bring up. I mean, even geographical. Like, yeah. so like the United States broadly has a, a certain kind of culture, right? Obviously made up of very different ethnicities. Um, but even if we just take into account people who are born and raised in the U.S., you know, generations of their family have been in the U.S., they might come from different ethnic backgrounds, but all subsumed within a larger U.S. culture collectively. But even within the larger U.S. culture, there's like the geographical divides of northern culture and southern culture right where it's at least like chicago midwest culture is like very direct and to the point um and it's not rude but it's just direct but if you try that in the south for example it can come off as really rude um even though a person um yeah even though a person is not trying to be too many skeletons in the closet down there to be direct (laughs) sorry no 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 it's true well and even like people who look the same i mean there's a ton of people in poland who probably look like me and ireland i don't know but we definitely don't have the same culture (laughs) so yeah i think all this is to say there's differences like there's so many there's so much difference or i guess we should say diversity you know within the u.s but just within the world and within people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis. That it's not just, you know, ethnicity or skin color or even, or even geography. Like it can, it can literally be, you could be separated by 50 miles and somebody's in downtown Chicago and somebody's in rural Wisconsin, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we are talking about relationships though also. So, you know, there's all these differences and if we're talking about blind spots, 
I mean, so I, at least for me in my life, I feel like there's definitely times, at least more so in the beginning, I feel like the longer you're in it, the easier things come because you're able to predict, you know, what the other person's going to do. And that's really, like, that's how you build trust in a relationship, right, is you've spent enough time with this person um, that you feel like you can, you know, you know, what they're going to do or or at least you have, like, a good idea, you know what I mean? And that's why you can put your trust in them is because over time, mm-hmm they've demonstrated that they're trustworthy or that they'll act this certain way. You know what I mean? So when Mm -hmm. I think the hardest part of, or the most, you have the most blind spots in a multicultural interaction. And then, you know, later a relationship just in the beginning, because it's like, what's going on here? Cause when, cause when you're saying something, this is like what I'm hearing, you know what I mean? Uh, Which, so basically what I mean is what you're hearing might not be what they're saying, the meaning, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the words might be offensive to you or not make sense to you and make perfect sense to the other. And so that's where, yeah, I would say in the beginning is the most, there's the most blind spots or it's the most confusing time. I don't know. And it's probably the most uh, vulnerable time for both people or whoever. Um, yeah. Just kind because, of feeling each other out. Yeah, feeling each other out. At least I would hope people aren't trying to insult each other. So there's that tension of trying to be as open and as caring as you can in the relationship with your context in mind and the culture you're bringing into the into the shared space with the other. Yeah. yeah. And something, I guess we should have done this at the beginning, but... We we shouldn't probably talk about our yeah, <laughs> our background. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Just to put some context yeah. uh, into the conversation and and why I think particularly this group is is helpful to as conversation partners with these questions. Um, I don't know who wants to start. <laughs> I can start. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I am uh, you know Lucas Manning. You know me as the host of Questions from the View. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just from good old-fashioned rural West Michigan, uh, Grand Rapids, if you know cities from there. But I'm not from the city. I'm from a little town called Middleville, which is right in the middle of Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo. <laughs> a nice, a nice uh, metropolis of 2,000. Um, but yeah, so, you know, raised in a rural environment, just pretty much white uh, for the most part. And yeah. Uh, so me and Ruth are married. I don't know if, I mean, we don't share the same last name. Ooh, big progressive mugs. (laughs) No, but we don't share the same last name, but we are married. I guess we've been married for three, coming up on three years here, which is great time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, I guess why this conversation is very, at least personal for me. And I, I assume for Ruth as well. And, uh, yeah. That's so that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm Ruth Nathaniel. Um, yeah, I was born and raised in Scarborough, Ontario. Scarborough is just in the greater Toronto area, um, if anyone's familiar. And it's a a very diverse place at the time that my parents um, first settled there and raised me there. It was kind of the hub for immigrants and first gen Canadians. Um, so you name it, 
you you'll find the people and their food and their culture there and yeah it's it's a very special place and then yeah lucas and i met in chicago when i moved there for grad school that was my first foray into the u.s (laughs) and now we live in denver (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) last but certainly not least hello (laughs) i'm reichard (laughs) um yeah I am, a, I suppose, um, a 1.5 generation, I think is um, is the way it's been described. Um, but I was not born in the U.S. I was born in the Philippines. Came to the U.S. when I was four years old. Um, and so that's where the 0.5 generation comes in. Because, um, yeah. Um, um, I was younger than most first-generation immigrants to another country would be. Uh, but I also, um, yeah, was not born here. Um, and I wasn't raised in the Philippines. So kind of occupying a weird in-between space. Um, something that I and a lot of you know people in my boat uh, have had to navigate uh, through. And obviously that comes through in... In, in my relationships, uh, in my marriage and, and friendships. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty, yeah, this topic is pretty important and I guess pretty uh, close to home for me. It's because it's stuff that I've had to think through and kind of wade through at a personal level. Um, yeah, being in a predominantly, um, like being in the Midwest of America, but at home, very much surrounded by Filipino culture mm. and trying to navigate that. Yeah. Totally. That's a little bit a little bit about us. Well, that was great. It's great to hear everybody talk about where they're from and their situation. I guess back to the back to the question then what you know what uh yeah I guess what are some blind spots then uh, I guess I, I we could talk specifically from our personal context as well I think that's pretty valuable I, I I'll I'll offer something up here okay. um I think one of the blind spots that we don't think about or something we don't consider is just how connected uh, a person is to a particular culture or you know, whatever, multiple cultures, right? So, like, for me, um, I, I never felt, for me and I think a lot of other 1.5 generation folks, 
um, we never really feel at home in one culture or the other um, because we're either not um, we're not X enough or we're not Y enough. You know, in my case, I wasn't Filipino enough or I wasn't American um, enough. Um, I don't know if that's the the best way to describe it, but it, at least internally, I was um, I never felt at at uh, at home in one place or the other. Um, and I think that's a that's a pretty common thread among 1.5 generation kids and people. Um, and so that assumption then of, oh, you know, let's say this person was uh, maybe not born in the U.S., but raised primarily in the U.S., the assumption that it's primarily the, you know, the American culture or, you know, whatever particular subculture in America, you know, they come from, that's what they re- relate to uh, or connect to the most, I think can um, can be unhelpful, um, especially if there's a deeper connection to, you know, one's home, you know, I guess, ethnic culture. Um, uh, I, I feel like with a lot of k- people in in this boat, there's um, there's a lot more work, oftentimes put into connecting with um, their family's culture because they're they're displaced, um, and the the fact that they weren't born in the U.S. Um, is a acts like a like an anchor or a tie to the culture outside the U.S. And so there's a there's a pressure and there's a lot of work done to connect with um, with you know in my case the Filipino culture. Um, so being a you know being aware that that is a possibility I think is helpful in those kinds of relationships. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's required for you to. To, to know exactly what's happening there, but at least think of that as a, be aware that that's a possibility for someone coming, you know, from that background, I think is, is helpful in, um, as you form the relationship, as you feel each other out, that kind of thing. I think it, it, um, yeah, it helps, it helps, um, it helps with the, with jumping over the inevitable hurdles of forming a, a deep relationship. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and I think how you relate to your family, like piggybacking off that, is like just a a thing that culture is has such a huge hand in determining like how one relates to their family. And that was definitely like early on in my and Ruth's relationship. You know, just Ruth's like connection, not just to her like her immediate family, but like her extended family with aunts and uncles and that kind of a thing. And like, you know, even, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, just like a desire to like have good relationships with like family members and like maintain those and like putting in the effort. Whereas I, which I mean, won't say anything about my family or anything, but I just, you know, I don't necessarily have as strong of a uh, desire or even just like, uh, no, there's no like cultural forming of me to connect into my family. You know, there, there's no like cultural pressure. You know what I mean? Like fam- white family, and this is generalizations, but there are many white families who are 
tight and close-knit and connected and, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, but I wouldn't say it's like a cultural pressure to do that, uh, whereas I think for other people, uh, and it can, like, so, like, for Ruth, I think it's there. And so that can cause, like, uh, I don't know, just, like, dissonance where it's, like, what are, like, what are we supposed to do related to each other's families, you know what I mean? Or what, what do you want me to do when we walk into your family's, you know, environment? And what am I expecting of you when we walk into my family's environment? So, anyway, it's just interesting. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of thoughts. One, yeah, just affirming that what you shared, Riker, is kind of uh, like the song of the diaspora. It's just, that's just what it is, you know, to be um, away from the, you know, the land of your heritage or, you know, the land of your parents and their parents and trying to figure out how that works with the context that you find yourself in primarily today um because i i feel like i was navigating that a lot um growing up like even this tension of my name is ruth nathaniel but i am a tamil and my name doesn't reflect that and you know, I would interact with other Tamil kids like in high school and I was the only one who didn't have a Tamil name. Um, and so, you know, there's that, am I Tamil enough? Like what, you know, what, and it comes with a whole host of baggage, right? But, you know, to them, a part of, I've, I've heard this feedback from Tamil peers just, yeah, but you get to like navigate the world on paper. Um, like a white person with that name and you know that's a privilege you get um that we don't get etc so there's always this like this interesting tension of like am i enough here am i enough there and what does it all mean so i just wanted to affirm that and then yeah i think in our marriage especially even like early on there was i think a lot of like heated uh conversations about um expectations and how things are quote done like I distinctly remember there was an argument that we had in a car on the way to Indianapolis <laughs> where I literally said the words that's how it's done I think is what I said I think I just literally said but that's how it's done and I think that's perfect scenario for how um like at the time I don't think we were necessarily um in a place to be having all of the more um, cerebral conversations about how our cultures were impacting how we viewed the world. It was more emotional, um, especially when it would show up in conflict. But over time, obviously we made space for that and then we grew in understanding. But yeah, I think just in that relationship in those early days, I, I do remember sometimes it felt like, um, you know, there is only one path forward and I don't know why it's so, um, so foreign, I guess, uh, to my partner. Um, even though I know they're well-intentioned, it, it, I wasn't, I wasn't understanding why they just weren't, why Lucas wasn't seemingly just adopting it and moving forward with mm. me. Um, especially I think in the context of how we navigate family, I think that might've been where that particular comment was made, but yeah. Yes, honestly, I don't remember that, but I'm sure it happened. 
I remember it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my problem is I don't emotionally attach anything to these uh, fights. I never remember them. Um, yeah. I don't have too much to say beyond that. Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's always, I mean, it's it's everything. And it's funny because I feel like we're at a place these days where I can like predict what Ruth is going to do. You know what I'm saying? And we've talked, we've talked through it so much that like blind spots are starting to like really decrease. Maybe like every now and again, one comes up or like there's one that I refuse to do or she refuses to do. For instance, uh, well, you know, we're not going to get it. Actually, we are. I just feel like if I didn't work out, I don't need to shower, man. It's it's fine. Shower every other day. We're good to go. So <laughs> I'm just putting it out there, man. We're getting a real person. Getting real person. Yeah, whereas obviously to me, one, you don't wear your outside clothes even near the bed. <laughs> Two, you have to be clean before getting under the bed. I am covers. clean. What, what if I, I don't roll around in the mud? <laughs> right, but... Anyway, yeah, and, so this is yeah. one well, that continues one, to this day. One thing that you have, though, uh, adopted really well is the house slippers thing. I, I appreciate do. that. I do like, well, my feet have always been cold my whole life. And then you introduced me to slippers and it's like, wow, this is beautiful. This is a beautiful thing. I don't have to have cold feet around the house all the time. But anyway, yeah, I mean, those are like, I think those are, I mean, obviously that's like a little bit silly. But sometimes it's not silly. Sometimes it's real, you know, <laughs> real issue. But uh, it's not silly if you've just done laundry and have put fresh sheets <laughs> on the bed. <laughs> I will say that. Anywho, I agree. Actually, that's a thing. I take a well. Here's another one: is I my whole life I took showers in the morning. Like you take shower in the morning after you wake up, and then you're clean throughout the day, and then you just sleep, and then you take a shower in the morning. I never take showers in the morning anymore mostly because of this whole, the bed is the sacred space of cleanliness <laughs> that no germ can come near. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. And obviously, like, these aren't big changes. But, you know, they add up. I mean, there's a lot of, like, little things like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think you, you brought up a key point, though, Luke. Like, as you progress in a relationship, whether it's, in a marriage or in a, in a friendship, whatever the case, in a deep and meaningful relationship between people of different cultures or ethnic backgrounds, um, the longer you progress in that, the fewer blind spots you have or you're not as blinded to those spots sure. um, as you were before. I, I wonder, though, and I'd be interested to hear what your guys, like your guys' thoughts on this, is whether or not that can come without the 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 disappearance of these blind spots can come without any tension or can that process only happen by the relationship going yeah. through uh, you know yeah, sure. for lack of a better word a refining fire yeah. kind of sort of thing well i think when you first notice a blind like so obviously there's like, you know, there's bliss where I remember our first fight, actually, you were present for it, Riker, at uh, when we were playing that Bob Ross game. <laughs> I'm yes. not going to go into that whole thing, but uh, it was like, you know, it was just dating bliss for I don't know how many, ever many months, like a couple months, probably. Uh, and then like you hit one and it's like, wait a second, <laughs> what's going on here? Like when you discover a blind spot, it's like, do I even know? you like what's going on right now you know what i mean it's such a confused or it's like a 
disorienting situation where it's like, mm-hmm. I thought we were on the same page, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we're not on the same page. Uh, which I'm sure that's with all relationships because I guess everybody, even if you're just talking about family culture, like everyone's has little differences in how things should be done, quote unquote. Um, so yeah, I think the initial like disorientation of, whoa, there's clearly a blind spot here where we see things differently. And then, yeah, I think there's like, you know, one of many options is, I'm just going to bulldoze and it's my way or the highway. So that's one of many options. Another of many options is like, okay, what's going on here? And let me in humility, take a look at like why I am approaching this this way. You know what I mean? Like, why do I think that that's disrespecting me or, you know what? I don't know what it would, or, you know, putting me down or something like that. Uh, or why do I, yeah. I don't know, just just using it as an opportunity to see yourself. Whereas if you interacted with someone from the same culture, you wouldn't see, you know what I mean, why you do that thing. Or that it's even like Mm -hmm. a question to do that thing. Because that's what culture is at the end of the day. It's just a set of assumptions. So you never question these things until you come up against somebody who does it differently. (laughs) And that's like, whoa, I didn't even realize that that was an assumption. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that's always a bit shocking, but then, yeah, I don't know how you respond to it. I think not to say that we've ever, we've done it perfectly by any means, but yeah, I think there's, like I said, there's many ways to respond. One of which is to bulldoze and and make it your way. Uh, and another way is to take a look at yourself and then come to your, you know, partner or whoever is in the relationship with you and say, you know, what do we have to do to figure this out? (laughs) You know, Mm um, yeah. Yeah, and I would say, obviously, that can apply to just friendship, platonic friendship, etc. And this idea that I'm committed to you, and I'm committed to making this work. And yes, we are experiencing conflict or tension or hurt feelings. But I'm, I'm committed to looking at why this happened, owning my part in it. And then hopefully in good faith, the other person also does the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I, that's the, that's the cool thing about uh, diverse friendships and relationships and all of that. It's just, I don't know. I feel like I, I get to grow uh, in such unique ways because I get to do life with people who look at life differently um, or have been raised differently for me. Um, and even just even if we share similar values, they might bring new values into my like my scope of how I should look at the world or how I might want to look at the world in the future. And yeah, I, I, I just I'm very appreciative of that. And I think that is most highlighted. Un- unfortunately, I don't know, in conflict. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think when conflict is done well, uh, everyone walks away and probably feels like having a good cry. But at the same time the relationship is so much stronger and I don't know, there's almost an increased safety in my opinion when I've been through conflict with someone that I care about deeply and I'm able to walk away still feeling safe, secure. And well, I think it's cause um, like, I know that, that when we fight or come across hard times that we're still going to, we're going to be fine. You know what I mean? Like we're going to yeah. figure it out. Mm-hmm. So it just builds trust that yeah. you can overcome conflicts. But yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah. I think looking back, my deepest 
relationships, I mean, largely due to the, the to my surroundings, I guess, but my deepest relationships were with people from who were not Filipino. Um, um, and they're people that I call my closest friends um, to this day. Um, and I remember distinct moments growing up, like in junior high or high school, where there was very much attention, not between like me and them per se, but like just with the with like my family and them, not because of my family were get, were ganging up on them, but you know, with in in my culture, there's just such a cohesion within a family that it's it it was hard to it, it, they weren't just getting me as a friend; they were inevitably also interacting with my family, and so because of that. Um, and as deep as Filipino culture was ingrained in me, it was obviously much more deeply ingrained, you know, uh, in in my family. So there were moments of, you know, moments of tension. Um, and to your point, Ruth, like, I think the relationship that we had was, like, the relationships that we had grew stronger on the other side of that um, because, and this is to your point, Luke, it wasn't a bulldozing moment on one or the other um, side. It was like that balance of uh, that struggle to find an equilibrium where like, you know, not saying that one party or the other is completely right in what happened, but understanding that there's there's a cultural difference here and it needs to be accounted for. And so what are we going to do in that? you know, seeming impasse. Well, we got to find something to bridge that. Um, and and the, the relationship, I think, was stronger on the other side of it. Um, but I think, yeah, I think I lean more towards, like, really deep relationships, again, whether platonic or romantic, and, you know, in the context of marriage. Um, I think those deep relationships in large part are formed by going through those seasons or those moments of tension where cultures mm -hmm. butt up against each other. Um, and yeah, the struggle is trying to find that, that equilibrium, that, that balance between the two where both are appreciated. Um, and now one or the other is, you know, demeaned, that sort of thing. Totally. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening in on this conversation on multicultural relationships. Uh, because the conversation went so long, uh, we're going to have to split it up into a two-parter. So we'll see you next week to finish the conversation. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Patreon. It's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. If you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that will help others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. You can do that by following and messaging us on Facebook or Instagram. You can also leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. If you do leave a voicemail, please keep it under 30 seconds and tell us your name and where you're from. We'd love to include your voicemail in our Q&R episodes, but if you prefer for us not to, just let us know and we'll include your question in another way and without giving your information. The same goes for any messages you send us on social media or through text. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com.
For questions from the Pew, I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Bye.